The show starts in one minute. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, on with the show. Welcome back. It is now episode 73 of Saturday Matinee Theater, brought to you by your friends at the Long Box Crusade. We are here in jolly old England in our recording studio that we set up deep inside Sherwood Forest. I am your host, Jared Albrecht, the art sale artist, and joining me as always is the little John. What? <laughs> to my Robin Hood is Pat Sampson, a.k.a. DJ Cristados. How are you feeling today, DJ Cristados? Well, Jared. I am feeling wanted. Little little John. And I want this tree. I'll fight you with my bow staff. And I'll kick you in the knee. Yeah. That's all the same. (laughs) Only the princes change every day. Oh. They're making me take my clothes away. Oh, he got him wild. <laughs> he brought the ukulele, everybody. Jason's wound up. But they're tiny fools. Oh, boy. And I can lift them up real good. I'm gonna get them and join up with Robin Hood. Because I'm a little John. Oh, little John. Got yeah. on my side. What? <laughs> Why do I miss Mary Jane so much right now? Because <laughs> I want it. <laughs> Speaking of which, joining me is the ugliest maid Marion of all time. It is my older, wiser brother, Jason the Weasel Skull Albright. Aside from feeling lyrical, how are you on this episode? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm in a good mood. My clothes are clean. The whites are shiny white. And, um, you know, Archie Duncan! Archie Duncan! It's a five when we get there. And we have with us our very own lovable Friar Tuck, who I think actually shows up next episode. It is Delvin, the Dark Web Williams. How do you do, Friar? I am doing very well, Jared. And uh, I I was drumming up some ideas for slogans for the Longbox Crusade. All right, here goes one, at least, you know, we're still workshopping it. It's a podcast about old shows. I like that. It. Like, does that strike out to you? Does that like make you want to listen to the show? Yes. <laughs> Good. Well, in that case, then, you know, we got ourselves an advertisement. <laughs> You're doing great work over there. Thanks, man. Oh, and once again, pulling up with our horse, we have Alan J. Porter. Welcome back to the show, Alan. Thank you, guys. I just uh, downed a couple of flagons of mead at the. Uh, the old blue boar, and I uh, staggered my way through the forest to meet up with you guys. Um, my sins. So. Well, it's good to have you here. Uh, he's been on before, so we don't necessarily need his first Robin Hood memory or his favorite iteration. But Alan, I believe you had some stuff you want to talk about this evening. Did you want to, a little podium now, or do you want to work it in for later? No, I can do it now. Um, so I was on the last episode, and I did the early Robin Hood memories and talked about my favorite movie. But I think I talked up to the 60s, so my Robin Hood story sort of continues. I thought I'd carry it on into this episode. Let's um, do that. All right. So I think last time we left off with Rocket Robin Hood in the 1960s. I'm going to sort of jump slightly ahead. Didn't really do much around Robin Hood until the mid-80s when there was a new show on British TV called Robin Hood Sherwood, 
which mixed the Robin Hood folklore with old English mythology, um, Hearn the Hunter, who's like the green god of the forest and all sorts of stuff like that. It was a very uh, surreal, floaty version of Robin Hood. But actually, a lot of people think it's one of the best interpretations because it does actually mix together a lot of old English folklore. And it's actually my favorite Robin Hood TV show. So if you've never seen it, it's Robin Hood Sherwood. I think it's a, I think there are full episodes on YouTube. I think it's on Prime as well. It's very, very cool. And just a little Bond thing in there. They actually changed the main actor partway through, which they explain really well in the series. But the second person to play Robin Hood in the series is actually Jason Connery, Sean Connery's son. So. Oh, okay. I had heard that he had done a Robin yeah. Hood show. And yeah. when you sent me the teaser for Robin Hood Sherwood. I thought that's the one. I said, wait, that's not him. Yeah. That, but it will be him. <laughs> but it will be him. Yeah. Because the first guy is Robin of Loxley. And then the second guy is Robin, uh, Jason Connery plays Robin of Huntington, I think. So they, they, they figure it out when they change the actors. So, uh, it, but it's a really good show. That was actually filmed in and around Bristol, which is where Jill grew up and where we were living at the time. We actually got to go to one of the sets of one of the villages, which was pretty cool. Um, and shortly afterwards, we moved to the Forest of Dean, which is actually a real royal forest in the UK that still exists. It's a massive forest on the edge of England and on the English Welsh border, where they film a lot of Robin Hood TV shows and a lot of Robin Hood movies and a lot of other movies that involve forest stuff, including Star Wars most recently, actually. So, uh, and Doctor Who's film there and stuff. So basically any British show that you've seen in the last 30 years that has a lot of forest stuff in it, it's filmed in and around where we used to live in the Forest of Dean. But actually the, the main thing I wanted to mention is around that time, actually Jill was working, doing freelance uh, medical work stuff and she ended up actually uh, seconded to a hospital in Nottingham so we would go up to Nottingham on a regular basis and we would uh, go up there and join her for the weekend and we would go check out Sherwood Forest believe you me Sherwood Forest is tiny now it's really disappointing (laughs) (laughs) you can walk around Sherwood Forest in a couple of hours as opposed to the forest we lived in which was a real huge one most of Sherwood Forest is gone there is supposedly a uh, what they call Robin Hood's oak, which is a really old oak tree, and is all held up by supports now, and it's meant to be many hundreds of years old. But uh, even then, it would have just been a little sapling around the time of Robin Hood. But it's meant to date back to then. But Nottingham Castle has a uh, is still there. You can visit Nottingham Castle. We'd go there a lot. There's a statue of Robin Hood outside. So that used to be cool. Just to be as a Robin Hood geek, it used to be cool to be sort of in and out of Nottingham and going into Shield Forest. So just sort of wanted to sort of touch on that. And Robin Hood has really continued. You mentioned last time, Jared, the Nottingham comic book. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I started picking that up. That's really great. Thanks. That's that's a really cool comic. I, I actually also recently read a book called Nottingham, which is a completely different story. Um, it's a great novel by Nathan. I'm going to butcher the last name, Makiak, I think. Um, but it's called Nottingham. But that's very much a retelling of the... Of the Robin Hood's story, but again, more, you've got like six different characters coming in and it's told from their different points of view. And it's sort of Robin and his buddy coming back from the Crusades and getting drawn into local politics. And you're never quite sure who's the hero and who's the villain in it as well, because it tells everything from each person's individual point of view and what's important to them. It's a really cool book. It's it's pretty hefty read, but it's well worth it. And I'm actually currently reading as an online fanzine that covers popular culture science fiction fanzine online thing that's uh, won a couple of hugo awards it's really good called journey planet 
And a couple of months ago, issue 66 of Journey Planet is completely dedicated to articles about Robin Hood and the Robin Hood mythology and Robin Hood and pop culture. Earlier on today, literally reading an article about all the cartoons that featured Robin Hood. I'm not just talking about Rocket Robin Hood, but things like Looney Tunes and all those sort of things. So if you're into Robin Hood, highly recommend you go online, just search your Journey Planet, you'll find it, issue 66. It's a free download and there's some great articles in there about the history of Robin Hood as well. I will finish my little Robin Hood. That there concludes my tales of Robin Hood. So. <laughs> well, we appreciate you sharing all that info. All right, Pat, why don't you tell our listeners what this show is all about? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. Saturday Matinee Theater is a retro review, sometimes index show, brought to you by the Longbox Crusade, where we'll be taking you back to the past with some potentially overlooked retro awesomeness in the realm of television movie serials, or films. Basically, if it's vintage and it's kind of forgotten, we're going to dig it up. On this episode, we will continue our indexing of all 39 episodes of the 1955 television series, The Adventures of Robin Hood. 1955's Robin Hood was produced by Sapphire Films, run by Hannah Weinstein and Sidney Cole. This starred Richard Green as Robin Hood and Alan Wheatley as the Sheriff of Nottingham. So take refuge in the forest, take off your quiver of arrows, get cozy around the fire, and let the gregarious music of the Merry Men whisk you away into the past. But don't get stuck in a high window ledge. <laughs> you won't get down. Okay, before we hand it to Delvin for this episode's information, let's take a look, or in this case, a listen to a commercial that would have been playing about the time this episode was released back in the 1950s. So help us get into the right time frame of mind, if you will, and transport us back in time. For this episode's commercial retro rewind, we have Add Laundry Detergent. Hello, I'm Wendell Niles, and if you own an automatic washing machine, I've got important news for you. This package right here, Add. Colgate's amazing new detergent, Ad, will outwash any other product in your automatic washer. Ad will wash clothes cleaner and whiter than any other detergent known. And Ad lets your machine run smoothly, too. Here's why. Ad gives you just right suds. Let me show you what I mean with a comparison. Regular detergent gives you too many suds, clogging your machine. And a non-sudsing detergent gives too few suds, possibly preventing clothes from getting really clean. But Ad, with just right suds, gets clothes cleaner and whiter. And Ad lets your machine work properly besides. Yes, cup for cup, Ad's cleaning and whitening ingredients combine to outwash any other product or you get your money back. So get Ad today. All right. From here on in, I would like you guys to refer to me as Wendell Niles. And uh, Alan, what did you think of Wendell Niles and... His laundry detergent ad. So it's Mr. Miles. Yeah. It's an ad for ad. It's an ad for ad, yes, I call that. <laughs> Is Mr. Miles actually somebody that I was meant to recognize? I don't know. I don't, I don't okay. recognize him. I, I'll tell you what, I'll look him up while you uh, give me your thoughts on the commercial. 
Um, so I have a scientific question. So we had the thing with too many suds, and then we had the one that was like a no suds detergent that didn't have enough suds. But if it's a no suds detergent, how does it have any suds at all? Unclear. Unclear. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> this I, don't th- I don't think they thought that one through. I don't think has they some suds. <laughs> <laughs> so. I don't know. I don't know. I, don't, I, I always love these quasi-experimental scientific things. I was just surprised he didn't have somebody in a white coat actually doing it like it was in a lab or something like that. <laughs> Perhaps that came later. But, uh, yeah, I always loved those quasi-scientific ads. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I must admit, I've never heard of ad detergent. Me neither. Me neither. And just FYI, everybody, Wendell Niles actually has a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He was one of the great announcers of the golden age of radio, probably most famous for being the announcer on the Bob Hope radio show. So, wow, okay. Now we know who he is. So, we actually probably walked over his name when we were there last week. Good last chance. We, <laughs> good chance. We actually oh. walked all over him. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, Wendell Niles. <laughs> all right. With this, we go to Jason. To carry on with Alan's theme, my thought with the suds, where there were too many suds. Doesn't that just mean you just need to cut back on the amount of detergent you put in there <laughs> and that your detergent would go further? That's the detergent I want, right? Get more washes. Yeah. Get more washes per packet. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure they were moving product with that one. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> just the right amount of suds. Speaking of just the right amount of suds, Delvin. Good Lord. It was boring. It was like, like I mean, it, it got to, I mean, the name, the name is boring. The announcer was kind of boring. The way they advertised it was boring. The catchphrase they had at the end, boring. It was like, like all of a sudden you want that chunky guy back, don't you? I, I mean, something, something, something to make me excited about anything. And then they're like, yeah, see, uh, this one's got too many sons. Ugh, you don't want that. It's going to clog your washer. It's like, how are soap suds going to clog your washing machine? What is this, a Dennis the Menace episode? Like, it's, nothing about it made sense to me. I was just like, eh. Like, the, the whole thing, I was, I was just kind of like, I guess maybe that's why ad isn't around, right? Because something about an advertisement is supposed, supposed to be memorable. And until you even told me the guy's name, I didn't remember anything about it. And probably the best thing that they wanted to advertise about besides the weird suds thing was you get the whitest whites. And I'm like, this is a black and white commercial. How can we tell that it's really Take the word for well, clearly it. you saw her putting those towels away? Oh, that did it. Yeah. <laughs> those towels away if they weren't white. Yeah. Oh, she that's, do that. That explains it. It. Mm-hmm. I just, so I, I guess I'm just saying not too impressed with this one for whatever reason. Didn't do it for me. Yeah, I understand. I agree with Delvin when he said that the lady putting the towels away was hot. Uh, Pat. I don't think that's what he said. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Pat, uh, before you even jump in with your thoughts. Okay. When you're doing laundry these days, do you feel like you have too many suds or not enough suds? You know, I think I like it just in in the middle where, you know, it's just comfortable suds, you know. Mm -hmm. Goldilocks zone. That's what I call it. Goldilocks zone of suds. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't like it, you know, too sudsy, and I don't like it not so sudsy. I, I like to lather up. I like a good lather. That's what I've heard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they can't all be winners, folks. No. <laughs> Remember that Wonder Bread? 
Yeah, Wonder, Wonder Bread was great. While we were doing the vintage commercial, folks, Jason had some internet issues, so he's he's on alternate channel now, so he sounds a little different. That's all right. He's our man on the street. He's our, he's our street reporter looking into these suds. I'm looking he's at man, uh, He's a man in the forest. <laughs> all right. Well, with that, I think well, we've... Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. You didn't let me talk about the commercial. You have more to say about it? I do. I have like three notes on it. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Let me get through that. <laughs> Jason, go ahead and switch your internet back off and we'll <laughs> see what Pat has to say about says. All right, Pat, what else has bubbled up on, on your list of things? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked because I'm surprised nobody mentioned this, but did you catch who makes it? It's Colgate. Mm. This is made by Colgate, the people that make toothpaste to whiten your teeth. That's why that lady's towels never once got a cavity. Yes, exactly. I was like, did they? I'm like, I had to rewind it. I'm like, they said this was made by Colgate. So they were testing this stuff out on how to brush your teeth and make your teeth whiter using detergent. Are, are you trying to make like a conspiracy theory going on that they just transfer the detergent into toothpaste form? I am. I am. Mm. You know, I've noticed AIM has too many bubbles in my mouth. Yes. <laughs> Colgate. Just the right amount. Just the right yeah. amount of bubbles. You don't want too many bubbles in your mouth. Yeah. Bubbles in your mouth is not a phrase people had on their bingo card when they tuned in for this episode. And, and what's surprising is that I just recently switched to Colgate. Now I'm freaking out. I just need some ad detergent. Might just have to use that. But that's all I had. Thank you for those hard-hitting notes. <laughs> and now for reals, let's go to Delvin and get some episode info. Let's do that. Episode three was called Dead or Alive. There, there was no wanted in there, but uh, I, the song was appreciated earlier. I Original. Can, air, I can. No, it. no, no, we're, we're, we're good. Okay. But okay. I, I appreciate that, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. The original air date, 9 October 1955. The director was Dan Burt. The writer was Eric Heath, which is a pseudonym for Ring Lardner Jr. Because I guess that name needed a pseudonym. It yes. did, and we'll talk about it in my fun facts. Oh, my. Okay, looking forward to that. Guest stars, Archie Duncan. Archie! As Little John, Simone Lavelle as Joan the Barmaid at the Blue Boar Inn. Bernadette O'Farrell as Maid Marion. Ooh, it's a maid. And John Rutland as the Earl. As a reminder, all 39 episodes are available on YouTube, we highly encourage you to watch this episode before proceeding with this podcast because not only is it just more fun that way, but Jared is about to give a synopsis about this episode and then we're going to discuss it. There are definitely spoilers heading your way, so if you haven't watched this episode, we recommend you pause here, go check it out on YouTube, and then come back to join our discussion. It's only 26 minutes, y'all. What else are you doing? It's not a big time demand. For those of you who are watching along with us, we love to hear your insights. Don't forget to comment about the show on Twitter. Using the hashtag, I'm following Robin Hood. Uh, Jared? Hashtag, I'm following Robin Hood. Jason, you ready? Play it up. Hashtag, I'm following Robin Hood. We are just reeling in that loot ukulele crowd. I just know it. Pat, go for it. Hashtag, I'm following Robin of the Hood. <laughs> Alan. 
Hashtag I'm following Robin Hood. Beautiful. And I guess that leaves me. Hashtag I'm following Robin Hood. And And with that, we will turn it over to Jared for the episode summary. John. Little John, everybody. He's kind of tired of being a plaything for the Earl that he serves, so he fights back and runs away. At the Blue Boar Inn, he meets some of the sheriff's men, and they con him into going into Sherwood Forest to nab an outlaw for them, saying that he'll get his freedom from the Earl. John goes into the forest and finds none other than Robin Hood, and they have their classic battle on the small river bridge. Crafty John kind of likes Robin, and the feeling seems to be mutual, so instead of bashing him and taking him in, John acts lost, so Robin will easily walk him back to the Blue Boar Inn. Once they get there, the treachery of the sheriff's men is revealed when they try to take both John and Robin into custody. It does not go well for them, as little John takes them all out almost single-handedly. Robin then offers John a place among the outlaws of Sherwood Forest, and John accepts. It is time for highs and lows and what does and everything in between. We will start with our guest, Alan. Round one. Hi, low. What the? What's on your mind? I'm going to start with a high. Actually, I'm going to start with a little observation. Did anybody else notice that actually little John is never named in this episode? I kind of picked up on that myself. I did, I did, but we know who he is. Yeah. Some his name's only in the credits. He's ne- nobody ever... His name's never mentioned, so which I thought was interesting. Do you know what I really liked about this? This is, I think, the only or one of the only Robin Hood shows where they actually seem to give Little John a backstory. Virtually yep. every every other version of Robin Hood, when they meet on the, he's already a member of the of the Merry Men, or he's already an outlaw, or there's some other thing. Yeah, I think this is one of the few times they've actually given him a a backstory, which I really liked. Um, I thought that was very cool. The downside of that was they sort of tended to make him look like he was a bit slow and gullible, which for somebody who becomes the second in command of the Merry Men didn't seem right. But I'm sure maybe that characterization will grow over the next episodes. But we know who he is before he encounters Robin. I mean, it's we're literally halfway through the episode. The first half of the episode is just about him before he encounters Robin. So I, I, I really like that, that they, they gave him that backstory. And it was a fun one, too, as to why he ran away, because he, you know, just embarrassed the, the, his, his Lord Master and felt he had to run away. And then I liked him meeting the, the young lady and the, you know, the, the serving wench from the tavern and stuff. And I hope they keep that relationship going too as they go forward. So that was very cool. So yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised by the, the fact that they gave him that backstory. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, good news is I did notice in my research that she is a recurring character. So that that oh, cool. That's good. be good news. And I, I know I'm going to speak for all of us when it was just cool to see Archie Duncan back again. For those of you who've been Saturday matinee theater fans for a long time, he was Inspector Lestrade in our 1954 Sherlock Holmes TV series. And we all loved him 
on that. So it was really cool to see him again. And uh, he's going to be around for a while, folks. And with that, uh, we'll go to Jason. He might have more things to say about Archie Duncan or other aspects of the episode. Who knows? It's our man on the street, live from Sherwood Forest. Jason, what do you got? Well, I'm coming at you here at the bridge where that famous scene just occurred. (laughs) It was a doozy, let me tell you. The sticks were a-flying. You know, passions were running hot. But, you know, in the end, cooler heads prevailed and the two walked away friends. In all seriousness, I have to give another tip of the hat to Robin Hood. When we started this adventure together... I was wanting to see some sword fighting. I was wanting to see some arrows flying. And I've definitely got that. But what I didn't appreciate, and I'm starting to really appreciate, is just how clever Robin Hood is and how he befriends little John. He knows that there's nothing he can say to this man. He suspects it's a trap. But he gets to know him and earns his trust in the span of this show in just such a way that's so endearing just by his actions. And when he tells him, I don't know who you are, but I know what you are and you're one of us. That was, oh, man, that tugged on my heartstrings. What a great line. What a great performance. Loving this show. Yeah, that was cool because he's like, man, you don't even know what I did. And he's like, don't need to know what you did, bro. Just really cool. You know, I, I hope I'm not stealing someone else's thunder, just rolling with what Jason said. But I really like the fact that and I mentioned in my synopsis that even little John, he's getting a little craftier because, like I say, he could have fought Robin and bashed him and drug him back. But he was like, he pretended he didn't know how to get back to the blue boar. Oh, which way do I go? You know, and Robin's like, well, I'll walk you back. And it's like easy peasy. This guy's going to walk right back and then i think during the course of that walk they really started to like each other (laughs) and uh i don't know i thought it was really cool anyway it's delvin's turn to talk well they already liked each other you can tell that like because they sort of had that confrontation of you know about the bridge and the crossing or whatever and they did some he's like you pick whatever stick you want ain't gonna touch me (laughs) And, (laughs) and then and robin came back i was like yeah, you know, I fought a guy like you before, you know, and hurt my back. He's like, yeah, after I knocked him out, dragged him out to the street. <laughs> that was like, oh. awesome. <laughs> like, that was yeah. like, so they were already cleverly bantering back and forth. So you can tell that there was uh, a like there. And I'm with Jason on literally everything he said. I'm just like, oh, like, are, are they like, yeah, did they just find like the right, like, you know, tummy feather spot and just like, he? <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm like, I am tickled to death. It was great. I'm like, man. And so I'll just pull a what the. And one of the what the's that made me laugh is, did you ever watch Clerks, the animated series? Uh-huh, I, I, I know I you did, did, yeah. Okay. And so there was like, it was a short-lived TV series on ABC uh, based off of uh, Jay, and si- Jay and Silent Bob, uh, the Kevin Smith View of Universe characters and one of they did like uh, one of the episodes and it was in the courtroom and one of the witnesses that they had was two giggling girls and the, <laughs> and the whole and the whole gimmick behind the two giggling girls like they asked like the, a question about like Dante or whatever it is like you know have you ever slept with a girl is like well how many is like well like maybe it was like I told you <laughs> and there's something that is so humiliating about a woman's laugh. And sure enough, when John finally had enough of the Earl, <laughs> he just picked him up 
and put him on top of that thing like he was a toddler. And <laughs> and old girl just was like, <laughs> just done. He like the Earl was completely emasculated. Like almost to the degree that it's like, okay, I kind of get why he wants little John killed <laughs> now. Because he was just completely humiliated yeah. by the whole thing. He was trying to mac on her. He's like, hey, let's get some wood in this. Yeah, Warm me up, baby, and now sudden. <laughs> yeah, completely just emasculated. And so, yeah, I'll stop at that point. But yeah, that, I found that hilarious. Yeah, going off of what you were saying there, Delvin, the, the Earl is kind of his own worst enemy because he's like, let me let me show you this big brawny guy. And I think she was she was into it. <laughs> the way she was looking at him, and yeah, take your shirt off. <laughs> like, why would you do this to yourself? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, ooh, like that, like that whole part. I was sitting there. I, was, I had the prince face. I'm like, uh, uh, uh-uh. so I was so happy when John stood up for himself, and not in a like. I mean, as big and strong as he was, he could have knocked that dude in the orbit, and he didn't. You know, just like a simple, I'm not a simple emasculation that that hurt more than any punch that he could ever do. And even with that, that shows that he has layers. Like, yeah, I don't I don't like you showing me off like I'm some show pony or something. I am a man. I am a human being. You're treating me like this. I don't like it. And like and how I'm going to show you my displeasure is, again, I could use physical force. But instead, I'm just going to simply just make you out to be the ineffectual little man that you are. Great. (laughs) Great. touch. (laughs) Oh, Pat, as we call him, booming Pat. Go ahead. (laughs) I think everybody's kind of been saying this, but this show, we're three episodes into it now. And I just like the slow burn that's happening with this. They're not rushing into everything. You know, the three episodes in and we're getting Little John right now. It took one or two episodes to get Robin to actually be a part of the Robin Hood clan, the clan or whatever. I really like what's happening. And as was mentioned before, just the long storytelling in this one of, you know, we get little John's backstory. We get to see how him and Robin kind of met and and the fight between them. But as Devlin was mentioning, you know, they talked first and got to know each other. Then they fought and got to, you know, know that neither one could best each other. And I think, I don't know if little John really won or did Robin just kind of do it just to, you know, nobody really knows, I guess. But I think they found that camaraderie. And then on the way back, just the friendship that was building there. And man, it's just a, a fun episode. This one was definitely, I remember I texted you guys after I watched it, said you're in for a treat. Cause I was like, RG Duncan was, you know, and then it, which I knew was exciting. And then it was just, just everything about it was a lot of fun. And you got to see Archie Duncan with his stares. It's just <laughs> <laughs> kind of Staring. sometimes would remind me of the faces he would do in homes when he wouldn't like be kind of befuddled or just kind of like <laughs> uh, back to the top of the order, Mr. Alan J. Porter. Yeah. Just rewatching this series. I'm just like you guys amazed at how nuanced it is uh, and how subtle it is as, as, as it builds all the character building. Um, even with this one, just in the introduction of Maid Marion in this one, who's not even mentioned in the credits, it's a complete un- uncredited appearance by her, but they set her up in like, and the relationship between her and the sheriff and, pique her interest in Robin with like two lines of dialogue, you know, uh-huh. I don't know this just so subtle and nuanced this, this show with the characters and the way they build them up. It's, it's, 
I don't remember that from when I used to watch it as a kid. For me, then it was all about the sword play and the bows and arrows and the running around the forest and stuff. But rewatching it now, yeah, I'm just this is just like a, a revelation rewatching it. I think it, it's a really cool show. So my second round, I'm actually going to go for a a negative with the actually the classic fight on the log. I mean, that's in literally every Robin Hood movie, every TV mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. At some point, you get the face off between Little John uh, and Robin Hood on the log over the stream in the middle of the forest. I actually think this is the worst one, the worst choreograph one. <laughs> worst, it was uh, a little dodgy. The choreography it's was a very, it's, it's very dodgy. There. I mean, uh, yeah, Robin clearly took a, or Richard Green clearly took a nosedive just to, to sort of bring it to the end. So I actually went on YouTube and checked. You, there's little snippets of all the other ones are on YouTube. You can search Robin versus Little John and you'll get the other ones from Prince of Thieves and the Errol Flynn one and the Robin Sherwood one and loads of others. And I sort of did a quick comparison. And yeah, this is definitely the worst staged and worst choreographed one of them. I, I don't know. It just didn't have any real sense of threat. And the thing is, in that previous episode that we watched, we saw Robin training with a quarterstaff and him training and showing other people how to use a quarterstaff. And then in this one, and I know he just cut one from the forest, but it's like he suddenly forgot all that stuff that he was teaching everybody in the last episode. It sort of didn't carry through. So, and it was over really quickly if you compare it to a lot of the other ones. For me, that was probably the damn point of this one was the the central iconic action scene just was just a bit of a, if you'll pardon the expression, a bit of a damp squid for me. Um, and for Robin, clearly as well. Didn't really work for me. I'm going to be using damp squid every chance I get now. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, I have to agree with you, you know, because I watched it a couple of times and I was like, yeah, I just kind of wish they had uh, maybe spent a little more time and a little tighter choreography on that fight. Yes, I, I I agree. I agree. Even though it was a great episode, this is being a great show. I, I wish, yeah, that they'd focus on that moment just a little more. Yeah, particularly because it's so central and iconic to the Robin Hood legend, and it's literally in every version of the of the story. I think it just should have been built up more and had a yeah. bit more impact. In comparison to like the the fight at the Blue Boar Inn, that at the end was more intense and exciting. I thought. So. Yeah, and that, I thought the clever part of that, going back to how clever Robin is, is the fact that Robin stood back and he was basically testing Little John. <laughs> in the fight and it was like well I'm, until little john was threatened with a sword he didn't get in there he just stood back and watched it to see how little john could handle himself and i thought that was clever the way they showed that yeah he was really just checking him out checking out his his, his fighting abilities so yeah and he wasn't disappointed delvin i just wanted to add something real quick all i wanted to add was and this is speaking for someone that i didn't know that uh, the fight on the bridge was something that's canon uh, when it comes to Robin Hood. Uh, complete ignorance on that. But what I wanted to say was there's a difference between a fight and sparring. To me, it seemed more like they were sparring than fighting. Like, Little John wasn't trying to go for his head. I mean, because, I mean, Little John is seven feet tall and he has a quarter staff. I mean, a pretty good strategy might be for him to just pick up a big quarterstaff and smack it upside Robin Hood's head as hard as he can if they were fighting. They weren't fighting. At that point, with like the friendly banner that was going on, they were sparring. That said, like the choreograph could still could have been better, but I just want like a few of y'all mentioned fight, and I didn't see it as a fight. I just saw it kind of like sparring. Actually, in most versions, they are sparring. They're, it's them testing each other out, not necessarily a, a full-blown fight. 
All right. To Jason. All good points. But uh, I'm going to give a second high to my two favorite players in this in this episode. It's the two guards that yes. uh, yes. <laughs> called in. <laughs> yeah. They came in there. They were looking for trouble. Boy, did they find it. The expression on their face said it all. They're like, we don't want none of this. They looked at one another and said, our first duties of the prince. Let's just go get him down. <laughs> I love that. I love that line. They're yeah. like, oh, well, we, don't, we don't want none of that smoke. None of yeah. it. You took, you took mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Allow me to follow on. All right. So he puts the Earl in the window, right? And then the two guys run in and they discretion's a better part of valor. Oh, we'll take care of the prince and let this guy go, right? He knows he's in trouble, right? He could have walked right past those other guards at that table. They didn't know he was in trouble. <laughs> yeah, thank God. Me. Those two guards could were completely, I mean, yeah. If he had just walked by them, they wouldn't have right yeah, yeah. But he did like Chappelle did when, it, when, he did that <laughs> skit, when he was being questioned. He just like knocks the water over and jumps up and runs away. He like knocked the food over, <laughs> everything off the table and just ran off. Like, why did you do that? Oh, I died when he did. I was like, that was so like extra that you didn't have to do. <laughs> but it made me laugh. Anyway, Pat, you get to bring us home. Jason took mine um, of the guards, but. I'll talk about the other guards at the bar. Yeah, the crafty guards. The crafty guard, yeah. You know, you have the one, it's that typical scene, or at least th- those kind of characters where you have the one guard who thinks he's, oh, how there he is right now. Let's go get him. And the other one's like, no, I'm a little craftier. I'm a little smarter. And here I got this idea on what we're going to do to get him. And so he plays that smarter one like I'm all knowing and, so he comes up with this plan that we all know is going to fail or just backfire. <laughs> that character, the guy who played him, just played it really well. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, you, you're a really like kind of a slimy guy, and there is that's why you're in the position you're in. And then going back to the Earl and just get the Earl just going, you know, that's a dumb plan. It ain't going to work. And how do you trust this guy? <laughs> you know, he can see right through it. And like, oh no, he's going to get him. I definitely liked the sheriff's men who were basically using little John to kind of help get them some Intel from the forest. Yeah. You know, they wanted to get somebody from the, from the merry men so they could interrogate him. It made and, sense. And, and it was kind of cool because in a lot of these versions, you know, the, the sheriff's men are just cannon fodder. You know, yeah. it was kind of neat to see one that had his own personality. He was kind of crafty and using some, some smarts, you know? So I thought that was neat. Just the nuance, Alan mentioned the word nuance earlier. Yeah, the nuance of the show is pretty cool indeed. Okay, folks, and that's going to bring us into the fun facts section of this episode. And it's not terribly fun, but it's interesting. Earlier in the episode, Delvin told us that this episode was written by Eric Heath with a pseudonym for Ring Lardner Jr. Why did he need a pseudonym, you might ask? Well, because Ring Lardner Jr. is an Academy Award winning writer. He's written on a a lot of different movies and TV shows, and he was won in a lot of awards. And about this time, uh, we have the House Un-American Activities Committee, which is bringing a lot of Hollywood uh, people believed to be communists with far-left politics before the committee to testify. And Ring Lardner Jr. was one of the, I can't remember if it was 10 or 12, I want to say 10. There was a notorious 10 that refused to testify. So they were blacklisted from Hollywood. 
Hannah Weinstein had some left-leaning politics and she wanted to take care of her friends. So she set up this production company on Robin Hood and this whole production company kind of became a haven for those people so they could still get work under different names. So uh, interesting, I thought, the backstory behind that, why the, the, you'll see some writers with pseudonyms throughout the uh, production of the series. She really built this whole series as a way to keep these guys um, employed during a time that was tough for them. So hmm, there you have it. That's fascinating. That's that is fascinating. Really interesting stuff. That's right. So there you have it. I guess to, in some sense, Hannah Weinstein was being the Robin Hood for the commies, I guess. I don't know if they were commies or not. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and pass judgment on these people. I don't know. Uh, but no, that's. I thought it was kind of cool. No, you actually see this in a lot of British TV shows from around the 50s and stuff. A lot of blacklisted American blacklisted uh, writers and actors and stuff came over to the UK to keep working, as you said. Uh, but it's pretty. I did not know that this production company was set up specifically for that. If that's true, that that's awesome. Um, but yeah, you do actually see quite a an influx of American talent into British productions around this time. Yeah, I, I don't know if Hannah Weinstein set up this show specifically to be a haven, but it became a haven. So there you have it. And with that historical note, let's get into our arrow ratings. On this podcast, if we rate it five arrows, that means we loved it. Four arrows means it was very good. Three means it was good. Two means it was just okay, and one, you didn't like it. It forced you to burn down your own house, <laughs> which we've seen happen before. So uh, we got a lot of positive vibes on this episode, so we'll start with our guest. One to five arrows, Alan. I'm going to go with four, and the only reason it doesn't get five is because of the wonky bridge fight sparring scene for me. But other than that, yeah, it's a it's, it's solid four. All right, solid four from Alan. Let's go to Jason. I'm going to give it a five. I don't disagree with you about the bridge scene, but for me, it's not enough to dampen my joy. Seeing Archie Duncan and Archie Duncan playing this beloved character, playing this gentle giant so well. I just loved every minute of it. Tip of my Robin Hood cap. This is Jason Albrecht from the bridge. I'll see you guys at the Blue Moor after the (laughs) podcast. I love it. This is going to have to become a recurring bit, I think. Delvin. Are you going to damp squid it up? I don't know if I used it properly or not. I just wanted to try it out. I'm not sure if you did either. Uh, well, if damp squid means agree with your older brother, then yes. I'm giving it a five as I'm giving it a five as well. I loved it. I have been so impressed so far with the story, with how awesome Robin Hood is. You know that a character is important if they spent extra time that just like Alan mentioned, they gave out of a 26 minute show. They gave little John the first 13 minutes of the show. So if that's not a sign that he isn't important, then there isn't a sign. And then Alan also mentioned about May Marion and she didn't have many lines, but the lines that she had, we ascertained that one, she's very fair. She's a very fair lass, absolutely. And two, sharp as a whip because the sheriff was like, why are you all up on Robin Hood? And he, she was like, well, why are you all up on Robin Hood? <laughs> 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 and, it, and it was like, and she, and she was right. And then like Robin's leadership and his cunning as well. It's, it's hitting every note that I want to be hit on 
I cannot be more impressed right now. So an enthusiastic five. I loved it. Excellent. Yeah. You know, when we started SMT and we started around homes in 54 and now we're in 55 with Robin Hood. I mean, I honestly thought we'd have to put up with a little bit of old timey television. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we put up with a little bit of old timiness with like the Batman serial, just a little bit. Also but, the Batman serial. <laughs> it just needed to be mentioned twice. <laughs> but what with both homes and this, you don't have to make allowances for it to be a 50. It's just a good dang show. Mm-hmm. It's a good dang show. Mm-hmm. Pat, are you going to damp? Sque- it's still not working for me. All right, what do you got? Well, I'm just going to say one thing that Delva mentioned, and um, now it made me think about it, is when we talk about Maid Marian here and what she was saying, I liked what she said. She goes, it's Lent. You said you weren't going to bother me about getting married. <laughs> <laughs> you gave up being a pain in my ass for Flint. <laughs> yeah, so uh, whatever. It was like, hey, you promised you weren't going to mention anything. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. I love this one, too. I'm giving it a five. I'm giving it all my arrows out of my quiver here. It's getting it all. And I just loved it. It was really slow going. But I like that. It's just that slow burn that's happening. The characterization that's happening. And just the fun, you know, you can tell that they were all having fun in this too. And it's good to see. And I am going to be with you guys uh, on the five. I enjoyed it a bunch. I watched it again. And, you know, the more I think about it, going back to the, I don't know how fun the fact was, you know, is kind of a tough time for some folks, but ring larder junior is an Academy award winning writer. (laughs) And they have him on this little show (laughs) in England. And I think we're seeing that. Yeah, I would I, agree. I think, and that's that nuance that we've all mentioned, and it's, yeah, so yeah, I loved it. I I just was thoroughly entertained by it. I was impressed with the humor. But just like Delvin said, I think Joe and the Blue Boar Bardmaid was hot. I believe he mentioned that. Um, and <laughs> finally, I don't think you did, Jared. No, <laughs> no, but I was going to let you get away with it. So. Okay. <laughs> I don't bring this up a lot, but I taught leadership classes for several years. And Delvin alluded to it. Just watching the leadership of Robin Hood is, he he knows exactly what he's doing all the time, which is cool. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a five as well. And he gets all the chicks. He does. He does. Except for that one that was clearly into Little John, which did not sit well with the Earl. But you know what? Let me tell you about some folks that do sit well with me because we're going to be talking about the Sherwood Forest mailbag. And while we don't have any comments from last episode, because it hasn't come out yet, we're going to talk about the folks who sit well with us, which is our Crusader Club members. These are the folks that have joined our band of merry men. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes. They get to vote on show content. They voted on this series. They're the reason that we're talking about this series. Good job, Uh, Crusaders Club. Crusaders Club does right. (laughs) they get rifle prizes and so much more. These are the folks who are reaping the benefits and giving so much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Blast it or no, stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins, you know him as the Battle Wagon. Gary V. 
Gerald Green. Jason Keen. Jason Lady. Jeremy L. Guys, the loot doesn't make an appearance. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I was going to say, I got to grab the loot. I'm like, oh, it's my turn. I get to do it. Ready? Here we go. We're a little song about Jim Jarman. Want to hear? Here it goes. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Pat, it gets better and better each episode. Just just keep working, my friend. Jim Meal. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candice Ward. Kathy Bright. The MVP. Mark Ross. Maxwell Trayman. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Meany. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Spreadsheet. Really? <laughs> I'm sure he excels at whatever he does. Behave, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, Tony Pennington, and Toronto Cop. If we miss you on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind we record these well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition to the Crusaders Club, we'll add you soon. But if you're stressing about it anyway, just reach out to us. You can reach out to us via email. Just send one to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll straighten it all out. And if you're asking yourself, well, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's very simple. Patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. If you don't have any extra scraps laying around, if that $1 a month is too much of a demand, that's okay. You can still help us out here at LBC headquarters. Just write us a review on iTunes or whatever, you know, you're listening to this on. If they have a review function, talk us up because we want to make money. No, I'm just kidding. We're not in it for the money. We're here just to make friends on the internet and grow this sort of love around these old TV shows that we are just discovering are pretty darn cool. And we'd love to hear your comments along with it. So if you would do us a favor, do a rating, review, comment on it over on social media, all that stuff really just gets the buzz going. And we just really love the conversation. And of course, the millions and millions of dollars that we make at the Long Box <laughs> Couldn't even get it out without laughing. All right. As I said before, episode 71, which was the last Robin Hood episode, has not been released yet. So we don't have any comments from it at this time. But if you want to comment about 71 or this one or just comment about the adventures of Robin Hood 1955 in general, leave us a voicemail. 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Up the loot, Pat. Oh, well, I can't. I can't play sexy loop music. I can't play <laughs> sexy loop music. Let's go back once again to our on-the-scene reporter to close this whole thing out. Well, thank you, Jared. Yep, heading back to the blue board right now. So that's it for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, you can check out the Long Box Crusade. Pat, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked, and I want to ask you one thing. Can you please save a seat for me at the Blue Board by the Fireplace? I'm packing some pipes right now that we have left over, and we can have a nice smoke around the fire with some tasty mead. But in the meantime, uh, let me tell you where you can find us if you want to continue to listen to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all the podcatchers that are out there, and probably even some we don't even know. Or you can just go to www longboxcrusade.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and at YouTube, all at Longbox Crusade. 
Back to you, Jason. Well, thank you, Pat. And if you'd like to hear from us on our track through all things James Bond, you can check out on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Jared, where can they find that? Well, Jason, I'm glad you're ass. I'm trying to keep it down because I think Chris Walken is here and I don't want him to bust in during this part. So, okay, no, we're good. You can find Honor Magic Secret Podcast on pretty much any podcatcher out there. The primary delivery system for it is Apple Podcasts. But if you look around for Honor Magic Secret Podcast, you'll find us. Or you could just go directly to www.secretpodcast.podbean.com or our Twitter handle. Nope, I thought I heard him coming in. All right, our Twitter handle is at O-H-M-S pod. Come see us for James Bond stuff. Christopher Walken was in one of the movies. We've got podcasts everywhere. Well, if you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at... Delvin, go ahead and kick us off. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. I'm kind of glad that Chris wasn't here because last time he was quite discourteous to me. <laughs> Pat. Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can oh, find- is it time to talk about the Bond podcast? <laughs> oh, hey, Chris. Am I am I late? No, no, you're just in time. Oh, we just got Zorned. Oh, stop by another day. I see you, Williams. Y'all notice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Pat, try that again. Go ahead, buddy. All right, well, you can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And sometimes I'm hanging out with my buddy, Chris Walken. We're just walking through the forest sometimes. Yeah, that's when we, true, we, you clever bastard. That's so <laughs> true. I know. Jared, why don't you pick it up from here? I got it. Thank you, Chris. That'll be all. Uh, I'm at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com, which I believe leads us back to Jason. I'm taking a bit of a social media break, but you can still reach out to me at R-A-A-P as in Papa H-O at Yahoo.com. Alan, why don't you wrap us up? And you can find me online on Twitter at Alan J. Porter or my website, alanjporter.com. I'm just going to plug, I've just, in the last couple of weeks, launched a new weekly newsletter for keep folks up to date with what I'm doing with all my writing, podcasts, and other projects, and you can subscribe to that for free at alanjporter.substack.com. Not that any of you got not that any of you guys have subscribed so far. That's right. I was just writing it down, Alan. <laughs> I am here to tell you. I asked him on another podcast we did if it included his sexy photos, and he said no. So, oh, then I don't need to. Ex- that. Why waste time? <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for joining us for this episode of Saturday Matinee Theater. Now it is time to restock your utility belt and call in the boy wonder because our next episode will continue our journey through the 1943 Batman serial. We'll see you next episode for chapter 12, Embers of Evil. Think Batman's going to get beat up again. (laughs) Playing the odds. The meetup location, Gotham City. I was also in a Batman film. You know, I was pretty good in it. Max Shrek. Max Shrek. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Robin Hood, Robin Hood, Robin Hood. He called the greatest archers to a tavern on the green. They to help the people of the king They handled all the trouble on the English country scene And still found plenty of time to sing Robin Hood
Robin Hood riding through the glen. His band of men, feared by the bad, loved by the good. Robin this film has been flown to the United States by a Pan American World Airways. Robin Hood.